0: This is 5th Avenue Face-Off. Welcome back in. It is 5th Avenue Face-Off. I am Chris Mack of the Fan Morning Show on 93.7 The Fan. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram. All those fun places where you get all the fresh and hot spicy hockey takes. Pleased to be joined by 11 on the Ice, WPXI's Jenna Harner. Jenna, how are you? Welcome to episode 2 of 5th Avenue Face-Off.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm so honored to be joining you on this and to help you be a little bit of a part of this. I'm super stoked.
0: Yeah, no, I I said to you and several other people who we've had on uh, in the first couple episodes, I just want smart smart hockey people, and you qualify as a smart hockey person. So, um, the one thing I did, and I, I talked to Jesse Marshall uh, just before we had you on from The Athletic, is I like to give people just an idea of how you came to the sport like how you became a hockey fan how you decided that it was something that you loved I know you grew up playing sports um played lacrosse at Ithaca right is that
1: yeah no I did I did play lacrosse at Ithaca for one year I tell people all the time sophomore year it was like hey do you want to do tv or do you want to play lacrosse and I like to think that I maybe made the right decision there um which is fun. But I actually did play hockey growing up a little bit. Um, my dad got me on skates when I was really young. Actually, my first sporting event ever was when I was six months old and God bless my parents um, took me to a Hartford Whalers game. So nice. that uh, that that definitely stems a little bit of where all my hockey love is from. Um, but it's my dad's favorite sport. So I always joked, you know, growing up, oh, it's super sunny. Oh, my goodness. Um, growing up, my Dad was the big hockey fan in the house. My mom's a big football fan. Um, so I kind of got like the perfect marriage of the two of those things. Um, but hockey's just kind of always been my 1A to football, being my 1B played um, until, you know, I was about seven or eight years old and I was, you know, four foot nothing going against like, you know, five foot 10. 12-year-old boys for face-offs. And my dad's like, eh, maybe yeah. we'll just uh, we'll, we'll pull you out of uh, co-ed hockey there. So uh, definitely played a little bit, but grew up. I know this isn't going to be uh, fun for the viewers, but I did grow up a Boston Bruins fan just because, again, I'm from Connecticut. So,
0: yeah.
1: you know, I mean, I'm not a Patriots fan. So let me, okay. let me have this. Let me have this. And I, I will say the Bruins have been ridiculously fun to watch this season, too, which has been uh, super exciting. But yeah. They're, they're
0: having a season for the ages. Um, and when I, I I've always noticed that anybody who's ever been attached to the Whalers in any way, which like you said, it was the first game you ever went to growing up in Connecticut, it's impossible for people who were attached to the Whalers, even by something as minute as just going to a game once in their life, maybe, um, they ne- they can't not be hockey fans. Like no. any anybody who has ever been involved with the Whalers, like I said, even just in the slightest little bit, being a fan, they end up loving hockey. I don't know if it's the Brass Bonanza. I don't know if it's the logo. I Even after they left, people in Connecticut are huge, enormous hockey fans.
1: Greatest goal song of all time, by the way. Yes. And UConn <laughs> men, they use that as their goal song. And oh, we went to a UConn men's game when I was home a couple of weeks ago. And like, my God, that is just, <laughs> they scored four goals. It's electric. They have that like, you know, blaring through the new arena. I'm like, this is the greatest thing ever. I'm like, this is why I That's love awesome. this sport so much.
0: That is awesome. And, um, I, I didn't realize you played as a kid as well, which is very cool. Um, I just imagine you, I imagine you having like a little Brad Marchand streak to you <laughs> with all the uh, being undersized as compared to the the boys two yep. and three years older than you. I picture yep. the stick getting up. I picture, you know, the little tugs from behind, you know, on people's arms as they're trying to carry the puck i could see you being scrappy i could see you being just the kind of depth forward the penguins could use this year
1: little little elbow you know Uh what isn't afraid to you know trash talk a little bit only like when warranted but yeah seven-year-old me definitely um (laughs) but yeah i mean that is uh yeah that is definitely something the penguins need right now no doubt about that
0: which brings us to the conversation at hand um a lot of people wanting to know what Ron Hextall is doing. Is he cooking anything up? The trade deadline just about a month away now. And people want to see him make a move for a depth forward. If he can clear the cap space, they want to see him. I've heard a lot of people, especially given the way Casey DeSmith has played this year in the last month or so uh, go out and get a veteran backup goaltender. So they're not faced with what they faced last year in the first round against the Rangers, perhaps shed some of that, uh dead weight that some people consider say a Brian Dumoulin for example or if they could find somebody uh, to take Jeff Carter off their hands I've heard people clamor for that as well but we don't see Ron Hextall necessarily there all the time I was told last weekend he was at a prospect development thing out in British Columbia so um is this you know I talked to Eric Tangrady about it on the first episode of the podcast and he insisted listen the boys are going to get a trip out West not long after they come back from the all-star break. Uh, That's the kind of stuff that can help bring teams together and re-energize them for the stretch run. He said, I'd wait to see how they come out of that Western trip. If I were Ron Hextall before I start making any moves. So where are you at on the personnel currently on this team? What the bottom six looks like? And is this, the other thing I got from Tyler Kennedy the other day was that he said, hey, Ron Hextall's always been very calculated in how he handles things. He's not like what we're used to in Jim Rutherford, who would trade a guy just to trade a guy, you know, the, the Carl Hagelin deal, for example. So is this calculated Hextall we're seeing, in your opinion, or a sleep at the wheel Hextall?
1: I definitely think it is kind of a line, in line with what TK was saying just in terms of, you know, being a little more calculated. It's tough because, again, you know, you look at Jim Rutherford and what he's doing in Vancouver right now and them dealing both Horvat to the Islanders, and that felt like this big, giant thing. That's the Jim Rutherford, and that's kind of the, you know, front office top of the food chain of the penguins that so many fans here have been used to for so long but you know no doubt about the way that they went into the all-star break left a sour taste in everybody's mouths and i think that those last couple that last stretch leading into the break kind of has been a little bit of that storyline of what we've seen so far this season it's been really tough because they've been so up and down I'm talking with so many people a lot of people said you know the penguins are sometimes streaky where, you know, they'll win like seven or eight in a row and lose a couple and then win a couple, lose a couple. But like, to the extent of what, how they're, how streaky they're being this year, it just feels a little abnormal to me. And you can look at so many different things. I mean, I still am frustrated with the fact that I did not understand the Casey DeSmith um, extension coming into this season. That was one of the off season moves. I did not understand at all because of what we've seen and unfortunately we're kind of seeing it play out now and the terms that they gave him and unfortunately do and we're saying in the same vein the Jeff Carter extension is looking a little tougher now just based on the way that he's playing but this is kind of the reality of things with the fact that you are the oldest team in the league and you look at teams like the Buffalo Sabres who have been playing really well they're the youngest team and I'm not you know trying to be like oldest and youngest but they are they you know they can finish and grind out those 60 minutes and you look at some of the guys on this roster and I think age might be catching up to them a little bit I'm not saying that for guys like Latang or Sidney Grosby or Evgeny Malkin but I do look at a guy like Jeff Carter and I do wonder if there would be some way he's an ideally some guy that you would want to say hey maybe we can package him as part of something but I just don't entirely know the value of who they have on this team that is kind of you know worthy for a trade. I don't know if they're going to be able to get what they think that they might need in, you know, getting a bottom six guy to kind of fill out that third line or that fourth line, because we've seen also just the line's going to be a little bit in shambles just based on the personnel available over the last handful of weeks leading into the break here.
0: Yeah. And I I wonder as well, I mean, it, look, Brian Burke is is sort of fending off questions, right, about Mike Sullivan even, which we're, we're not used to seeing. I mean, every yeah. NHL team goes through a cycle where they consider what to do and is the easiest way to spark things moving on from a head coach. And most NHL teams probably move on too quickly. Um, I don't want to say the Penguins are too committed to Mike Sullivan because I don't think in large part any of this is really Mike Sullivan's fault, uh, for lack of a better way to put it. It's it's on the personnel. It's, it's on the decision that, hey, we are going to remain committed to the core. We're going to m- remain committed to, I guess, the next wave of the core and Gensel and Rust. None of those guys are going anywhere. So if that's the case, we better hit on how we construct our bottom six. And not only have they not hit on how they constructed the bottom six, it's almost all misses across the board. And then you see an Evan Rodriguez, who they'll see on uh, Tuesday night, you know, playing, playing next to Nathan McKinnon, albeit due to some injuries, but playing well in Colorado on their top six, the classic move up and down the lineup guy. And they just don't have that. So if a, there's an injury in the top six or B somebody needs to be, you know, put in the press box for a week or two in the bottom six, you think Kapanen who's gone through that a couple of times, there just aren't any reinforcements on this squad because the McGinns, the Heinen's, the Carters, as you mentioned, and who I brought up, those guys aren't getting it done either. And this is, it's going to have to be do or die, sink or swim with Crosby, Malkin, Gensel, Rust, Latang,
1: And exactly, like live and die by your top six. But when even Jake Gensel and Brian Rust aren't having the seasons that I'm sure they want to have, especially at this point in the year, then more of those questions come up where you're like, you know, you look at what's you know teams that win the stanley cup depth is such a huge part of everything that they do and why those rosters are so successful and you look at the 16 or 17 cup for the penguins kind of either or but i think brian russ was on like the third line Mm -hmm. for those cup runs i mean that in itself kind of speaks to the volume and of course you know he's a great player i think his extension was something that was really well deserved and based on the last couple seasons he's had but at the same time some of these terms and these contracts to me, and I think a lot of the fans too, were just kind of a little like, oh, are you sure? And with guys like Letang and Malkin, it's different and you kind of have to look at it through a different lens. But when your top six is not performing well, there are a lot of things that you know it's that trickle down effect for so many reasons but I thought initially too when they brought Brock McGinn in initially I thought that was going to be a great move I really liked him in Carolina he was kind of that clutch player that like you know bottom hat bottom six guy that you really could rely on to score crucial goals and good moments and we really you see glimpses and I think we started to see some of that in the beginning of the season from him where you're like oh wait this is the Brock McGinn I think so many fans wanted to see and the player he knew he could be but then again, just based on the way things have gone, it's tapered off a little bit, um, capping into, I just, uh, you, you kind of just there and you're like, what's going on? Like what, right. what is happening? And then why do they still have faith in him? And I, I hate saying that in that negative of a way, but why with what you've seen from him up to this point, why was it so crucial for them to say, hey, no, we want him here for longer. We want him here for an extended period of time when his, contract is I I think a little bit more heavy than what it should be and the fact that there are so many nights especially like you said for a couple weeks where he'll be up in the press box he's not even he's a healthy scratch and you sit there and you're like this guy shouldn't be that way and how much of it is him buying into the system how much is you know him not wanting to kind of you know not the penguins letting him just be hey you're a goal scorer go create don't worry about the defensive side of things as much as you you know some of these other guys have to but there's just so many questions right now. And I think that's one of the toughest parts of all of this is like, what can they do? It does feel like they're so handcuffed here.
0: Well, you're right, because there's no room for Kapanen on the top six given his production, but then he's a top six guy. He, he plays like a top six guy. You see him go out there and have a shift or two. Uh, playing where he's been in the bottom six where you go, okay, th- that, that's what we're supposed to see. But then you you wonder if he gets back to the bench and he's reminded that he's in the bottom six by someone and that he's got to play more responsibly or, you know, be more focused defensively. And it just, it, it's impossible for a guy. I, there are some people, I, I cited Evan Rodriguez earlier. There are some people who can slide up and down the lineup and play different styles of hockey. It just strikes you. Like you said that Kapanen is overpaid for a guy who isn't able to slide up and down the lineup like that.
1: And I love how you mentioned too, you see glimpses of it because I feel like that's exactly what, like how you can sum up the Penguins up to this point. Like we Mm -hmm. see glimpses of the success and how good this team can be when they're all bought in, when they're all hundred percent, when they start fast, when they come out flying. But with especially what we saw the last handful of games leading into the all-star break, I was like, I feel like every time, you know, I'm running to dinner quick on my dinner break and coming back to channel 11, I get a notification, like less than two minutes into the game, the opposing team scores. Like how many times did that happen the last, even right. just, you know, week and a half, two weeks here.
0: So the next week and a half or two weeks, I'll ask you about what Tang Grady had to say the other day on, on the first episode, which was, Hey, the boys are headed out West after the game against Colorado. They'll have a week long trip out that way. Anaheim, LA, San Jose. Maybe they get re-energized by being on the road together a little bit. They see the, the, the finish line in sight sort of also knowing that the deadline is only a few weeks away, knowing that every game, Every, every single point in the standings needs to be captured, given their spot, sort of on the precipice as the second wild card. Would you have the patience to watch them during the course of this road trip, which will wrap up on the island on uh, the Friday after next? Would you have the patience, if you were Ron Hextall, if you were the GM of this team, to let things sort of ride over the course of this trip, over the course of the next four to five games, And then decide, okay, now I know I'm all in on the deadline. Or would you feel like you got to get something done? I don't want to say right out of the gate because I don't know how many teams are looking to deal while they're down in Fort Lauderdale. But would you feel more pressure to get it done sooner?
1: I feel like there definitely is a little bit of that pressure, but I feel like at the same time, going back to what we were saying about Hextall and how calculated he is and just, Mm -hmm. he's been a very different GM than a lot of the GMs that I've experienced in, you know, multiple aspects of sports and the guys that we talk with and stuff like that. He is really kind of reserved and kind of keeps things really close to himself. He doesn't want to say the wrong thing, which I respect no doubt about that, but it is really just interesting. And is going to be really intriguing just to see what at what pace they do try and make any moves anything like that but i do think this is something where you're going on the west coast you're playing teams that aren't at the top of the standings. I think also to the Western division clearly is just not at the caliber where uh, the use or the Western conference right. is where the Eastern conference is just based on looking. I mean, the Metro itself is insane, but um, I mean, look, these points are really crucial and this road trip is going to be, I think really crucial to see the direction this team's going to go. And maybe we're asking the question, are they going to be buyers or sellers? I don't think by any means they're going to be completely out of the playoff picture at this point, but I want to check to make sure uh, I'm, still uh on top of everything and uh, nothing's changed too much in the last time i checked the standings aka like yesterday but they're kind of right there with the sabers i mean the sabers are yeah one point behind them they're one point ahead of the sabers for that second wild card spot i do realistically think that they they probably can overtake washington for that top spot. just the way that we've seen those two teams play i feel like they're evenly matched but i feel like just the penguins have a little bit more of the edge if you do have a healthy tristan jari but i just i feel like there has to be a little bit of a press from Ron Hextall to say, Hey, look, we have to at least be exploring these options, which I'm sure that they're doing. And I'm sure they're figuring out. I just feel like they're so constrained. And also too, with the cap situation until things go up next year and every team gets a little bit more relief, it's going to be so much harder just because of what the market is right now.
0: Well, and you also, that's a really good point that I don't think anybody is, and you just found it just glancing at the standings really quickly that nobody has really mentioned to this point. Yes they're sitting there as the second wild card team right now right on the precipice and you mentioned with the sabers nipping at their heels but they've got four games in hand on the caps and they're okay. only three three points back of them if they could leapfrog the caps get out of that wild card position and get themselves a matchup against i don't know the rangers uh against the devils in the first round you feel a whole lot better about their opportunity to get to the second round and maybe figure some things out. I mean, you never want to be figuring things out come playoff time, but maybe find a way to get through the first round. Because if they have to play Carolina or the Bruins in the first round, it's it's five or six games and done at max. And so you're right, that jockeying for position that's going to happen over the course of the last 30 games or so, I don't think enough people realize having those four games in hand on Washington especially could be could be a big boon for them.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and that's something that has been really weird that I've noticed about the schedule. I'm like, why have the Penguins played so many fewer games than so many of these teams? Mm -hmm. And obviously it's just the schedule and the way things shaked out, but I do also like the idea and the fact that they're – Quote unquote bye week kind of coincided with the all star break because it was one of those things that felt like it could not have come at a better time for this team. They need this reset here. They need yeah. to, you know, soul search, go deep within and figure out what's going wrong, the problem areas that are plaguing them. And because you heard, everybody has heard, you know, um, after this last stretch of games, you know, we know what we need to do. We just have to go out there and do it. We just have to fix it. It's like, okay, well, You're saying these things, but it needs to be proven, it needs to be shown that there are tangible fixes, and you know that you this team does come out of the gates and starts a game quickly, and they do kind of we've seen Mike Sullivan's system is kind of what I'm trying to get around to. And the fact Mm -hmm. that we know that if it's completely executed by all of these players, it tends to bode success. And, you know, as he always says, we want to set ourselves up with the best chance to win. And I think that the players really are still buying into him. I don't think there should be any questions about Mike Sullivan to another point that we were talking about before, but it is going to be, can they all, Buy in? Will they come back from this break kind of refreshed here and say, hey, look, we're turning the page. We're moving forward. We're past that halfway mark. Let's go. Let's get the points that we know that we can get. Because again, we're not talking about a team right now that's Columbus or Montreal or even Detroit. This is the Pittsburgh Penguins, and they still have a lot of talent. It's just a matter of can they utilize it the way that all of those guys know that they can every single night? And I think that that's what a lot of the problems have just boiled down to recently
0: and maybe get some goaltending in the playoffs. That would be helpful too. Uh, Before I let you run, I I learned something uh, Friday morning about your better half, your fiance, Mike DeFabo, who covers the Steelers for the Athletic, used to cover the Penguins. Um, He had a a pet hedgehog as a kid. Were you aware (laughs) of this?
1: I was. I did know this story. He did have a pet hedgehog as a kid. His family did. They had lots of pets. They had... (laughs) I think there was like a turtle at one point. There was like a couple of animals, a lot lots of dogs, lots of like Pittsburgh-related name dogs, which I'm like, that's fantastic. So oh, there's
0: Lambert, there's Ham, there's Mean Joe, that, that kind of deal.
1: <laughs> yes, yes. We did, I will say though, growing up, my brother had a bearded dragon. So that was uh, I don't know if that's like one upping or anything. I think it may be on the same level as a hedgehog.
0: But see, I know people that have like reptiles as pets. I'm not down with it, but I know people that do. Like, so a bearded dragon, okay, I can I can understand that to an extent, even if it's not my bag. A hedgehog, it's got like it's like a little mini porcupine. It can poke your hand if you don't pet it the right way, right?
1: They're really cute though, when you put them in like the bathtub and they spin around and they're just like their little hands. I tell you, like Sonic, little, they just
0: spin around.
1: They like they like lay on their backs and just like spin a little bit. It's super super cute. Definitely check out videos of like hedgehogs in water. They're adorable when people bathe them. It's super well, cute.
0: I know what I'm doing the rest of the afternoon. <laughs>
1: to get lost down the rabbit videos. hole yes, yes right down the
0: rabbit hole jenna thanks for doing this really appreciate it and uh thanks for being a part of fifth avenue face off we'll check in again periodically if you're okay with that and as the wpxi uh wi-fi allows and uh keep up the great work on 11 on the ice and all your coverage
1: thank you so much thanks for having me this is awesome
0: absolutely jenna harner of wpxi